We're going to continue our study of Ecclesiastes today, if you want to turn there. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and we're only going to cover a couple of verses today because there's just kind of a lot in them, a lot to think about, a lot lot to uh, consider. Have you ever had had something go exactly according to plan? It's kind of something you celebrate because it, it almost never happens. Uh, no, nothing ever goes according to plan. Uh, we, we even have a law, Murphy's Law, we call it. We have a law that says something's going to go wrong at the worst possible time. And, 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 and we live by this law, not by the idea that a plan has worked out, that, that everything has gone according to plan. Solomon's going to talk about this. Now, he has, he has covered some of these topics already. We're, in, we're going to be in chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 today. And it, and it is up here behind me. But uh, we're going to, I, I want to kind of set this up because Solomon has talked about unexpected, how, how unexpected outcomes. We talked about them, about how the... Uh, the, the inventor of the treadmill died at age 54. And, and, and we, we talked about those things. We talked about how even God works in unexpected ways. You know, for instance, Noah was not a shipbuilder. <laughs> he wasn't even a carpenter, as a matter of fact. Joseph was a slave in prison for something he didn't do and ended up second in command in the most powerful, at the time, the most powerful nation in the world. Uh, God has worked in unexpected ways throughout history. And we've seen, we, we talked about that. That was back in chapter 8. Uh, so, so now we're, Solomon's going to address that again, but he's going to kind of address it from the aspect of Murphy's Law. He's going to talk about how time and chance seem to take care of everything. So it's Murphy's Law. Something's going to go wrong. And when it does, it's going to be at the worst possible time. So let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or the bread to the wise, or the riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful. Rather, time and chance happen to all of them. For certainly no one knows his time like a fish caught in a cruel net, or like birds caught in a trap, so people people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. So he starts out talking about the swift and the strong. The swift doesn't always win the race. Now we've seen this. If you're you're an Olympics fan like I am, you watch the, the track and field in the Summer Olympics, the one with the highest, the, the fastest qualifying time isn't always the one who wins, is it? We see this happen. And, and even in the, in, the, uh, in the track and field events, the strongest is not always the one who wins the contest. Solomon talks about running and about, about battles. Uh, he, he, the strongest isn't always the one who wins. The fastest, the swiftest isn't always the one who wins. So you would kind of think that if this life was all there is, if there was no reward after this life, that, that life would work more according to plan, wouldn't you? 
you'd think the swiftest would always win the race. You would think the strongest would always win the battle. If life ran according to our plan, that's how it would work. But Solomon says all of that physical effort, it's, it's inadequate. You cannot count on that physical effort to get you in the victory you want every time. And then he turns to the wise, the discerning, the skillful. Now, I think that there is a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge you can gather. Wisdom is being able to apply knowledge to life, I think. I think that, and that, I think that's an important difference. But, but still, the riches don't always go to the wise. Who do we, in our culture, who, who makes the most money? Entertainers and sports figures. Are they wise? Most of them are not. We actually see that. <laughs> we, ha- we can actually see that they're not the wisest. Now, they may be the most skillful, but even in skill, think about the skills we actually need versus the skills that they show us. Entertainment, sports, those are great skills to have. But what do we actually need? We need construction guys. We need plumbers. These are the people we count on for everyday stuff. We need them for life. It doesn't matter if, if, this, if, if a guy can, can make more three-pointers than anybody on earth if I've got a, a, a toilet backed up, right? That's not a skill I care about. The skill I need, we don't pay for. We don't, the, the, the plumbers and the, and the construction contractors, and these are not the rich guys. It's the entertainers and, and the sports figures that seem to make all the money. They're not the wisest among us. They're not the, the most discerning among us. And their skill set, while it may be great for that purpose, it's really not great for the rest of life. And again, we see this all the time. We see this when, when uh, these, these sports figures make huge mistakes, spend all their money, and, and are broke and are, and are trying to, uh, and they're making Trident commercials or something, just, <laughs> just trying to get by. We see this. So <clears throat> Solomon is saying that, that, uh, that this is the intellectual side or the, the, uh, the thought side. The physical side, he said, will not get you to the victory line every time. It will not make it to the winner's circle just because you have the strongest or the swiftest. And, and now he's saying, even if you're the smartest, you may not have everything. You may not, you, you may not get what the smartest should get. So why is this? Well, he says it's about time and chance. I think we would call this Murphy's Law. Time and chance. He says it's all about time and chance. Things don't work out the way we want them to, the way we expect them to, because of time and chance. But what if things are actually working out according to God's plan, not our plan? What if? Consider, go to, go to Genesis chapter 3. Do it this afternoon. Just read verses 8 through 19 of Genesis chapter 3. Because what you're going to see is that we live in a world that is infected and affected by sin. Everything. Everything about our world is infected and affected by sin. If you read Genesis 
chapter 3, verses 8 through 19, you're going to see the serpent is cursed to slither on the ground. Now, most of us don't like snakes. Those of us who are wise <laughs> don't like snakes. We still don't like things that slither on the ground. Snakes are cursed to slither on the ground forever. Childbirth is now painful. The marriage relationship is strained and a a power struggle. The ground itself is cursed. So everything that we eat and everything we drink is infected and affected by sin because the ground is cursed. Work became toil. They they worked in the garden. Some say that, that work came after the fall. It actually didn't. They were given the job of tending the garden before the fall. But it became toil after the fall, after sin. See, the, there's a, a, theological, a simple theological reason why the world is so messed up. Sin. It's that simple. It's that simple and yet that complex. It's that complex because, because the, we don't understand. We have a biblical worldview and we think how things should be and we see how things actually are. And we see that there's a great span of difference between how we think they should be and how they are. And that's sin. We have a worldview that tells us what should be. But our worldview has to include what is. And what is, is sin. We live in a world that is infected and affected by sin. Everything about it. Now, I will tell you, I, I like the philosopher's argument I, I, for, for faith. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, that, those, those guys that I read have the, uh, the philosopher's view of, of why we need there to be a God. I think if you look at this, you can actually see some of the fil- philosophical argument for why there is a God. Let me give you this. If we sat down, if there was no God, and we sat down and decided to, to, to make one, wouldn't we make one that followed our rules? Wouldn't we make one that the swiftest would always win the race and the, and the strongest would always... We'd, we'd make a God that made sense to our world, right? So I think just the fact that it doesn't work out that way shows us there is a God. Now, second part of that. We have the expectation that the swiftest will win, will win the race. We have the expectation that the strongest will win the battle. We have the expectation that good will overcome evil. Our movies used to all say that. Has that ever been the case in your life? From the time you were a toddler to probably this morning, you have said or thought, life is not fair, this is not justice. The fact that we know what fair is and we know what justice is tells us we were made in the image of God. And being made in the image of God, we have His sense of justice and fairness. Even though it makes no sense in our world, even though our own experience for our life, our lifetime, we have a lot of, uh, uh, if you add up the years in here, we got a lot of lifetimes here. None of us have seen life be fair or just. Yet we still expect it. We expect it because we're made in the image of God. We expect it because we have his sense of fairness and justice. So from the philosopher's argument, there's two good arguments here that there must be a God. 
there must be a God because the world as it is wouldn't work if there wasn't. And there must be a God because we expect the world to be better than it is. Even though our own life experience has taught us, it's not. There must be a God. So we can see the wide range of, of effects of sin. Our biblical worldview, again, must include the fact that sin broke everything. It brought death into the world. And now everything dies, plants and animals and us, everything. Solomon talks about it in verse 12 here, and he's talked about it a lot through the first nine chapters of of Ecclesiastes. Death happens to all of us, and it comes unexpectedly just as he says. That's from sin. Sin caused all of this. So what if, what if this is all according to God's plan? What if this isn't Murphy's Law? What if our expectation of the way things should be and the way things actually are drive us to Him? What if it's God's plan to redeem the world through Christ? As a matter of fact, it is. He says, all the way back in Genesis 3, that he has a plan to fix everything. And then Paul picks it up in Romans chapter 8. And he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was successful subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who was subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, We also groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we are saved. But hope that's seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? So you see, in a sense, everything is working exactly according to God's plan. Did he want or desire that first sin in Genesis 3? No. But he has a plan for it. And he plans to redeem not only you, but the whole world in Christ. He has a plan. He has a plan to redeem it all in Christ. So what we see once again, and we've seen so many times in our study of Ecclesiastes, what the the problem that Solomon presents is solved in Christ. The problems that Solomon gives us that says this isn't right and this isn't right and this isn't right, it's all solved in Christ because we now we can even now live in hope. We don't have to live in, in fear of time and chance. We can live in hope. We have the hope of Christ within us. We have the hope of Christ that we can focus on. We, know, we don't have to live in this world in the, in the mess that it is, and, and live by Murphy's Law, we can live with hope. We can focus 
on hope, the hope that we have in Christ. That's what, that, that's how Christ literally solves all of the problems that, it, that Solomon gives us. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. That he died on that cross to save us, to save me and to save you. And that he rose again to give us life and to give us hope. So that we could live this life, not by time and chance, not by Murphy's Law, but by hope. Hope, knowing that God has a plan. And his plan is to redeem the entire world. The animals, the plants, the dirt. Even you. (laughs) His plan is is redemption. And it's all going according to plan. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment and consider. Do you have the hope of, of Jesus Christ? God still works in unexpected ways. One of the most unexpected ways is that He comes in grace and forgives you completely when you place your trust in Christ. There's no more, pay, no more bill to be paid. Christ and Christ alone on the cross paid for it all. Is this news to you this morning? Do you have the hope of Christ? Or are, you try, or are you living by Murphy's Law on time and chance? Because this morning, this morning you can have hope. Just follow along with me in your own words and, and pray, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died in my place on that cross. He died for my sin, to pay my price. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to fill me with hope this morning. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but, it, but, but you've been caught up in time and chance and Murphy's Law and just caught up in the stuff of this world. Will you take a moment right now and just surrender to the hope you have in Christ? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that, that the problems, that the, the things that, that Solomon sees as wrong are righted in Christ. Help us to focus on the hope we have in Christ, not on everything that's wrong with this world. Keep us mindful of the hope we have in our Savior and Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.